Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, we can wonder, we can question the worth of many things. The other day I heard an ad for vehicles that boasted about their supposedly low prices, but then they mentioned the actual price, and I thought, wow, that's a lot of money. Are those vehicles really worth that much? We, we can wonder, we can question the worth of many things, but, but what about the worth of knowing Christ? Have you ever thought or, or wondered about that? Maybe you wonder, what, what does it even mean to, to know Christ? It means really you have a close, you have a personal relationship with Him. It's, 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 like, it's like the kind of relationship that a husband and a wife or, or, or two close friends have. You've been connected, you've been joined to Christ by faith in Him, and there is this bond of fellowship, there is this bond of friendship, there is this bond of love between you and Him. The Bible describes the closeness of this relationship even as being in Christ. You don't just know about Him, but you know Him. He's not a stranger. He's revealed Himself to you in His Word, by His Spirit. You, you've met Him and you, you've come to know Him as your Savior and Lord, and, and you love Him. You spend time with Him. You live in communion, in fellowship with Him. Like we just sang, in sweet communion, Lord, with Thee I constantly abide. Not so much because of Your hold on, on Him, but because of His hold on You. My hand, Thou holdest in Thy own to keep me near Thy side. And so you live in communion, in, in fellowship with Christ. That's what it means to know Christ. But the question is, what is the worth? What is the real, the true value of knowing Him? Yet many people see no value in, in Him at all, in knowing Him. They do not care in the least about knowing Christ, about having a personal relationship with Christ. We see that in, in the world all around us. But it, it can be true of people inside the church too. It could be true maybe of some of you here as well. You've never seen the worth of really knowing Christ. You see the worth of many things. Maybe the worth of going to church. Maybe the worth of, of, of doing many, doing, doing, doing so many things. But you've never seen the worth of knowing Christ. But, but others of you have. You've heard the gospel. You've heard the good news of, of, of God's salvation in and through Jesus Christ. And you, you, you felt the Spirit convincing you of sin and, 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 and graciously working faith in Christ in your heart he, so that He's connected you, He has grafted you into Christ. So that you now have a living relationship with Him. You're in Him. You know Him because He has met you. He has known you. But maybe sometimes, maybe especially after a week of self-examination, a week in which you've, you, you've, to some degree, seen something in yourself of who you are, of your, of your own sin, of your own shortcomings, of your unbelief that you struggle against still. And, and maybe you're, after a week of that, you're, you're tempted to wonder, as you come to church, and you see the table here, is knowing Him 
enough. What is the real worth of knowing Christ? It's an important question, not only in light of the preparation for the Lord's Supper, but also as we come to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Because in the Lord's Supper, Christ promises to fellowship, to commune by His Spirit with His believing people. So that those who, who, who know Him by grace, who've been known by Him, so that they might know Him more. And so the question is also in that regard, what is knowing Him worth? And that's the question that our text this morning, Philippians 3 Verses 7 through 11 addresses. The core of this text is is really especially in verse 8. Verse 8, where where Paul says, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. What What is God through Paul telling us in these words? He's telling us that knowing Christ is worth everything. To put it another way, the worth of knowing Christ is matchless. It's incomparable. And the rest of the text really just explains and expands on that. And so with God's help, we want to look at these verses for a few moments. Also in light of the Lord's Supper under the theme, the matchless worth of knowing Christ. We'll see first of all who he is. And secondly, what he's done. What makes knowing Christ so great? In the verses just before, Paul's been dealing with the the dangerous teachings of the Judaizers, those who believed that to be fully saved, you needed Christ plus something else. Those who taught that you needed to become a Jew and and follow the Old Testament ceremonies. But, But Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's been saying, no way. Why? Was it because he wasn't a Jew? Because he wasn't circumcised and he just wanted to make himself feel better? No. If anyone could be saved by following the Old Testament ceremonies, it was Paul. His resume was spectacular. But you see, when Christ met him on the road to Damascus, everything changed. He was converted and he realized all those things that he had been trusting in, all his privileges, all his accomplishments that he had seen as gains, as assets, were actually the very opposite. They didn't contribute to his righteousness before God at all. They only increased his debt. And that's why in, in verse 7 he says, What things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. In verse 8, verse 8, he goes even farther. He says, Yea, doubtless, or you could translate, indeed, more than that. I count. All things lost. Paul realized, you see, that only one thing matters when Christ met him. That was knowing Christ. Being found in him. Believing in him. Why? Well, for one thing, because of who Christ is. Did you notice how Paul draws attention to that? To who Christ is. It's, it's maybe a little bit, a little bit subtle, but, but look at verse 8 again. He says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Do you see all, all those names? They, they highlight who Christ is. And that's what makes knowing him so worth everything. 
And so I, I wanted to think with you about each of these names and titles for a few moments. Let's start with his personal name. Jesus. What does the name Jesus mean? It means Savior. It means the Lord saves. But how did Jesus get that name? Did Joseph and Mary choose it? No, God chose it. God told Joseph and Mary through an angel that they must call Mary's baby's name Jesus. And then he told them why they were to, to give him that name. Do you know why, children? Do you know why the angel told God's angel told them to give to call that call that baby Jesus? The angel told them why. He said, You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He was called Jesus because he would be the Savior from sin for his people. That's why he came into the world. He came into the world to save sinners, Paul writes in 1 Timothy 1, of whom I am chief. Doesn't that already make it so worth it to know him? I mean, who of us doesn't need him? Who of us doesn't need him? We all do. We're all sinners. We all sin every day. We fall so far short of the glory of God. Left to ourselves, we have no hope. We are under the wrath and the condemnation of God. But God has given us a Savior from sin, Jesus. He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Or to know Him then, to know God's Son is worth everything. Because of who He is. He's Jesus. He's a Savior from sin. But maybe you wonder sometimes, yes, but can He save me from all my sin? What about my sins of youth? What about my, my sins as a believer? What about my sins this past week? What, what about... Well, then think of, think of that title, Christ. What a title that is. It means Jesus is the anointed one. He's the Messiah, the long-awaited Savior whom God had promised in the Old Testament, beginning already as soon as Adam and Eve fell into sin in Genesis 3, verse 15. In the Old Testament, you see all kinds of types and shadows of Christ. Many people, many kings, many priests, many prophets, they were anointed. But, but Jesus, He's the, the anointed. He's the Lord's anointed. He's the fulfillment, you see. The people in the Old Testament, they were his shadows. But he's the real thing. He's the real substance. He's the real anointed one. That means that he's, he's been appointed and he's been approved. I mean, he, he's been accepted by God to be the savior of sinners. And it means that he's all sufficient. He's our chief prophet. He's our great high priest. He's our eternal king. There is nothing missing or lacking in him. Jesus spoke of his anointing when he said of himself, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, 
to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. In other words, you see what Christ Jesus being anointed is saying. It's saying there will never be a sinner who comes to him in faith whom he cannot or will not save. There's no sin too great for him that he cannot save you from. He's a savior from sins of youth. He's a savior from sins of believers, sins after grace. He's a savior from all sin, from all our, our unbelief. Oh, then surely isn't knowing him worth everything. He's not just Jesus. He's Christ Jesus. But that's not even all. He's also Lord. He's the one to whom has been given all authority in heaven and in earth. He's the one who's reigning and ruling over all in majesty. He's the one whom the Father has highly exalted and seated at his right hand on the throne of the universe. That is who Christ Jesus is. He is Lord. And as Lord, he is gathering, defending, and preserving his church by his word and spirit. And when you belong to him, you see, when you've been united to him by faith, when you've put your trust in him for your salvation, he is also your Lord. He's your Lord. He's your king. He's your sovereign ruler. And that means not only that he has your submission, but it means that you have his protection and his care, the protection and care of the almighty Lord of glory. You have Christ Jesus not only as your Savior, as your anointed Savior, but as your defender, as your keeper, as your redeemer. To know him as your Lord. Do you see with me the matchless worth of knowing Christ? Just thinking of who he is. He's Jesus, the Savior from sin. He's Christ, the Lord's anointed Savior from sin. He's the Lord, the Lord's anointed Savior from sin, who has all authority in heaven and on earth, who keeps his people. No wonder Paul says that knowing him had beats all. How great he is. Isn't it, also, isn't it also what the Lord means to declare and to assure us of in his supper? Isn't it, isn't it in the supper that he means to declare and to assure us that he is indeed the savior of sinners? That he is indeed the anointed one. Who's all sufficient for us, for all of our lack, all of our insufficiency. That He is indeed the Lord, the Almighty King, who will forever keep and defend His people, those who look to Him in faith, no matter how weak their faith may be. What an encouragement that is also then to come to the daily, empty-handed, weak, needy, poor, with nothing in ourselves, that our faith in him might be strengthened. That we who by grace come to know him may by grace come to know him better. Knowing Christ is worth everything. Not only because of who he is, but also secondly because of what he's done. Paul speaks of that in our text. He speaks of what Christ has done. He says in the middle of verse 8, he says, for whom 
speaking of Christ, for, for Christ, he says, I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Paul speaks of the righteousness that it's his through faith in Christ. And that's a reference, believers, beloved, that's a congregation, that's a reference to what Christ has done. That's why knowing Christ, belonging to Christ by faith, is of such matchless worth. It's because of what, not only who he is, but what he's done. He's earned a righteousness that you and I can never earn. That's what he did when he was here on earth. He lived as a man, as the man. He lived a life that we cannot live. He lived a perfect life, a sinless life. The Bible compares Jesus Christ to a lamb without blemish and, and without spot. He says that he was without sin. He knew no sin. He did no sin. He was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. He was the picture. Jesus Christ was the picture of righteousness. Think of how amazing that is. Think of how, how Satan tempted him in the wilderness when, after he had not eaten anything for 40 days and, and 40 nights. Think of how often people rejected him and how often they mocked him and how they ended up eventually putting him on the cross. Think of how they reviled him. Think of how much he, he suffered as he hung there on the cross and yet he never once gave in to temptation. He never once sinned. He kept the law of God perfectly. He loved God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. He loved his neighbor as himself. Why? Why, why did he come down and do that? Why did he become man and live a perfectly righteous life? He wasn't doing it for himself. He was doing it for sinners. He was earning for them the righteousness. They could never err. See, that's our great problem. We cannot make ourselves righteous before God. Paul thought he could. Till he met Christ. He trusted in his Jewish heritage. He trusted in his works. But then he met Christ, or rather, Christ met him. And then he realized what his own righteousnesses were. They were actually nothing. But filthy rain. Christ's righteousness was a pure white robe, perfectly clean. And it was a robe he could receive from God freely through faith in Christ. Because faith, you see, unites us to Christ so that we're in him. And when, as our text says, we're found in him, we have, we are dressed in the righteousness of Christ. God gives his righteousness to us. That's why knowing, knowing Christ by faith, why being found in Christ is worth everything. It's worth counting everything else when it comes to our standing before God as loss. Yes, even Paul goes on to say, even as dung, as garbage. Because of what he has done, he has earned a righteousness for us that we could never earn ourselves. But to know him, to know him is worth everything. 
How can God give that righteousness, the righteousness of Christ to us so freely? And we are guilty sinners. Our text doesn't spell it out, but you know, don't you? Other passages in the word of God make it so very clear. God can give us. He can give guilty sinners as we are the perfect righteousness of his dear son. Because Christ also paid the debt that we could never pay. And he didn't just pay some of it. He paid all of it. By his death on the cross. By his death, Christ fully satisfied the justice of God. That's what he was doing there on the cross. That's why his body was broken. That's why his blood was shed. That's why he was forsaken. Because he was paying the debt that we could never pay. And how do we know he paid it all? How do we know he fully satisfied the justice of God? How do we know there's not something missing? Something that God requires still from us? We know because he didn't stay dead. But God raised him from the dead and highly exalted him to his right hand as Lord over all. Christ, you see, has done everything. He has earned for us a righteousness we could never earn. And he has paid for us a debt that we could never pay. When you have come to know Christ, when Christ has come to has known you so that you embrace him by faith. So that your hand is in his hand. Then God gives you that righteousness, the perfect, spotless righteousness of Jesus Christ. It becomes yours. Even though your knowledge of him may be so small, that God gives you that righteousness of Christ so completely as if you had never had had nor committed any sin. That's why Paul said, I count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Do you see that? Do you see the matchless worth of knowing Christ? And have you come to know him? Maybe you ask, how can I come to know him? You come to know him by trusting in him. By putting no confidence in yourself. By counting everything lost, all the good, all the bad, counting it all lost, and casting yourself on Christ. Trusting in, trusting in, resting on him for all your salvation, for all your righteousness, because he's done it all. And that's what the Lord's table assures us of. Christ has done it all. That's what the broken bread and the poured out wine declare and confirm to us. And this morning he invites to his table, Christ Jesus invites to his table, those who know him. Those who've heard his voice and have begun to follow him, who've learned that they can't put any confidence in themselves, 
but who confess that Christ alone is their only hope, their only refuge, their only saviour. And to seek to follow him as their good shepherd. Oh yes, many times they have to confess, Lord, I haven't counted everything lost. Many times they have to confess that. But that is their desire. That is their desire, Lord. I want to count everything lost. I want to know you. I want to know you more. That's the question. Do you know him? It's not do you know him enough. It's do you know him? Christ invites those who know him, however little you know him, to come. And that's really the way to know him better. It's to come. It's to come into fellowship with him at his table as you eat the bread and drink the cup, the sign and seal of what he's done. Because he makes himself known through this means. What could be of more worth than knowing Christ? The worth of knowing him is matchless because of who he is, because of what he's done. Let us pray.